0: In this episode, I'll be talking about anticipation versus assumption and how we can use consistency and variety in an artful way to achieve the results that we want from our horses. I'll also be sharing some really specific examples of exercises that you can do to create that state of readiness that's so sought after and important for our equine athletes. Here we go, episode 59, Anticipation and Assumption. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Now I'm going to be sharing an excerpt from my book called Dressage Naturally Results in Harmony. For those of you who have it and are following along, it'll be from uh, part three, the Essays for Success, starting on page 163. Don't worry, I'm not going to just read it. I'm going to be expanding on it as we go. So we want our horses to be confident, right? We want to make sure that they understand what we're asking and they can be sure of themselves and bold in their responses. Sometimes we do want our horses to kind of complete our sentences, right? We start it and they're like, I know what to do. And they go ahead and finish other times we want our horses to stay in kind of a state of ready and waiting. Sometimes it's the difference between being in a moment-by-moment communication with your horse or doing what some people would call a trick. And I know in dressage the the word trick is sometimes a, a considered a negative like oh that's just a trick. <laughs> Well, as you guys have know, know me, if you've been listening long enough, you know I like to teach some tricks. I like to teach things that the horses know absolutely. I give one cue and they're like, I know exactly what to do, and they complete my sentence. But when, so when targeting a specific response with a horse, we can either do something again and again, putting it into kind of a muscle memory, and creating an assumption, or we can sensitize it as a piece of communication. So if we want a horse to learn a pattern and always do the same thing, every time you start the pattern, you introduce the pattern and then you'll keep doing it consistently until the horse assumes that he will always be asked to perform it in exactly this way. It's kind of like putting a quarter in a machine. You put the quarter in, and a series of events takes place, and it's uninterruptible. Kind of think about those uh, automatic car washes that you get into. You know, you, you jump onto the track, you hit start, and there's no going back. Sometimes, you know, there's severe tire damage if you try to go backwards. So the term muscle memory means in a way that the horse is not thinking about it. Anymore. Now, of course, they're thinking if they've learned something, but think about the things that you have in muscle memory. Think of the first time you rode a horse and think about now. You're not thinking about posting, think about driving, how much attention it took in every single moment thinking about every move you made. And now driving is very much in muscle memory. In fact, you can arrive places and you can't even remember how you got there. <laughs> So that's what I mean by not thinking. It it doesn't mean your brain, you know, sometimes people talk about horses not thinking when they're in a fear mode or right brain or something like that. So I'm not really saying not thinking in that way, but they're kind of like, they read the instructions. They're like, got it. I'll see you on the other side, (laughs) right? Put the quarter in and they do it. So we want certain movements to get to the point where the horse doesn't have to figure it out each time. We need their minds to be free to think about other qualities, maybe concerning the way in which they're doing that movement. But there are many times when we're teaching playing with our horse that we do want their minds involved. We do want them asking questions and kind of checking in along the way. Now, uh, exercising dwell times or using dwell times is really important in the teaching stage. Right? We want to teach them something and then we take a rest. We want them to be using their brains and not just their bodies like robots. This is something that I often describe as the difference between communication versus control. When I'm teaching and I'm teaching it something as a communication, there are lots of pauses. There's a cue and a pause. See what the horse does with that. And then there's a response and then. I follow up. And when they get it, I rest. And sometimes I reward. So it's very much a, a rhythm to it with empty spaces around it. When I'm controlling, or when anybody is using controlling aids, it's much more of a, um, this is going to happen. <laughs> We're going to put you in this little shoot and it's gonna happen. And AIDS will be applied to kind of make sure it happens. So we make sure that the body does what you wanted it to do. And if the brain isn't even that willing, well, we'll we'll form some structure around that (laughs) to make sure it happens so that the muscles, the body ends up doing what you wanted it to do. Maybe some of you can remember or are experiencing this now, you know, have you ever ridden a horse in a riding stable that was a school horse for real beginners? They have so many things in muscle memory and assumption. They go in the ring, they follow the horse in front of them, along the rail the entire time, kind of no matter what. And this, of course, can be really useful and safe in this circumstance. The assumption is created because that's what happens every time it goes in the arena. And the horse can become mindless about it. And it actually might be a little difficult to get the horse to do anything else but that. So I can remember going to summer camp. Uh, Those of you on Long Island, I don't know if anybody's listening, Smoke Run Farm. Does anybody remember Smoke Run Farm? It was a day camp with horses. So of course I begged and insisted that I went. (laughs) But they had two arenas. They had the upper arena for the advanced kids. And then they had the lower arena that was more the beginner lessons. And some horses always went in one of, you know, either one. There were some that were just advanced horses and some that were just beginner horses. And there were some horses that went back and forth. Oh, pure gold, those horses. But what was really funny is those advanced horses who could go in the advanced ring, if you rode down, if you tried to ride down in the beginner ring, they didn't listen at all. They're like, I'm in this arena. We go in, we track right. I stay on the rail no matter what you do and how much you flail and how much you wobble, I'll just keep doing the same thing because that's consistently. That's what happened in that arena. They learned to tolerate the crazy movements of beginner riders. And they're like, this is what I do. I just go in, follow the horse in front of me. At some point we all turn around and then I follow the horse in front of me, the other direction. And then we go and we stand in the middle and then I'm let out. And the whole thing is going to take exactly 42 minutes. And that's when I leave, (laughs) right? So, but again, for those beginner riders, that's what you want. You want to, you don't want a horse that's getting creative right away. You want a horse that's built in assumption. You do it consistently and they'll do their job. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, anticipation is when a horse gets ready to do something, They're mentally engaged. However, the action that he's about to take is interruptible. There's this little golden moment where they're ready, but they haven't done it yet. And you have this opportunity to change course. So the horse is asking a question instead of just going through the motions. Instead of the horse going, this is what I do. The horse is going, what should I do? What are we going to do? Are we doing this? Are we going to do this thing? but they check in. So doing things consistently will create anticipation for sure. But then if you keep doing it, if you go past the anticipation stage and you keep doing it, then the horse is going to start to assume he's always supposed to do it that way. That's just what happens. So when you feel the horse anticipating something that you haven't yet asked for and Um, you you know, you haven't asked for it and you don't want it. One way to, um, not let that lead to assumption is to then ask for something else. So add variety. This will cause your horse to heighten his awareness and start to ask questions. It sensitizes him to the moment when you get ready to ask for something, but you haven't yet said when I'm ready. Are you ready? We're going to canter now. (laughs) So there's that little moment between when they know what's about to happen and when you tell them when to do it. And this state of anticipation is really the most natural kind of half halt where a half halt is a moment of rebalancing. It's a precious moment. It's a doorway into an amazing dynamic with your horse. So you can use anticipation to help them learn and exercise that might be physically challenging. And then his eager mind will bring his body along for the ride. So can you imagine in every corner of the arena, if you train in a way where you cause your horse to check in and go, what are we gonna do here? Which way are we gonna go? Are we gonna stop? Are we gonna turn? Are we gonna do transition? So it is possible to create that. This state of anticipation of ready and waiting is also a really delicate state and can be easily easily lost if we don't take care of it so if we use too much variety that eager anticipation of asking questions can become anxiety the horse is like i have no idea what i'm going to do things are coming at me from left field i thought we were doing this and then the crazy lady goes and does this other thing and a horse that gets um confused (laughs) like that Uh, Some horses will shut down and seem bored or checked out. Other horses will get very anxious and start to get higher energy. So if you're starting to have a change in behavior horse, this is one thing to look at. This is one thing I look at It's like, are they confused? Are they, did I get too much anticipation to too many things because I've been too random, you know, or maybe there's a change in state because I've built too many assumptions And I didn't realize that over the last three months, I built all these assumptions. I created all these patterns because I didn't realize that I kept doing the same thing over and over again. Sometimes we're not conscious of it. We have these patterns in assumption. We go out of the barn, we turn left, we get on on exactly that fence post. And then we go for exactly this kind of a walk. And then we go into this arena and we don't realize we've actually trained the horse that that's how things are. Things have gone into assumption. And then one day we try to change something and we get a horse who seems dull and unresponsive or obstinate or bad behavior or, you know, a whole bunch of words that I really don't use for horses because I know if something like that's happening, it's probably because I created it. So we can get um, brace. We can get... lack of cooperation if we've built a pattern and then we don't realize we built the assumption and then we try to change it. And we wonder why the horse is so committed to doing the thing that he wants to do. Sometimes it's because we've trained it. So I wanted to share some exercises that I use all the time with my horses and uh, I love doing these with students that really um, highlights the difference between building assumptions and how we can use that to help them get coordinated and put things into muscle memory and then how we can introduce variety to create a little bit more uh, engagement and uh, asking of questions and ready and waiting so i'll give you two examples one example is um is a tea maze so i'll set up with jump poles a little chute so there's a little hallway and how wide that is depends on how advanced the students are but let's say three feet wide and then it you're in that for 12 feet and then at the end I make a maze. so I put a pole down you can use a wall of the arena and then you have two little hallways out of jump poles the same width going to the right or the left so you go straight in and you can go either right or left now, you could also do this as kind of a, a, a four way intersection where you could go straight, turn right, or turn left. So, either way, but I'm going to talk about it as a T maze just to keep the variables down here. And what I do, I'll describe what I do with students, but it's the same thing that I do with horses. So, I will sit at the head of the T maze. So, I see them coming towards me down the aisle and I have them practice going in and making a corner to whichever way they want to go practice, doing left or right hand turns until you feel like they're smooth and easy. So they come in straight and they practice turning right or left. The goal is that the horse doesn't step over any of the poles or, you know, yeah, run out, (laughs) run out the fence. So they come in, turn out. So it's straight turn front end, turn the back end straight. So it's a pretty crisp turn something that they have to apply themselves. They have to be paying attention. They can't just bomb through or cut the corner, or fall in with their shoulder or drift out with their haunches or something. So I have the riders practice that until it gets good, you know, until it's smooth. The horse understands, they come in, get ready and turn, turn straight and walk out. And most of the time riders pick the easy side. And I notice that. So then I tell them, okay, whatever side you just got, thank your horse for that. Give them a little break and now do the other side. And so that we spend the next block of the time consistently doing the other direction. So we were consistent with the one direction where the horse could um, anticipate chances are we're going to turn left because the last 20 times we turn left. So we're going to turn left. And we do that to help the horse understand. If the horse understands, hey, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in and I'll bet you we're turning left. They have the opportunity to start preparing their bodies. They know what's happening. so They can start preparing and they get a chance to build coordination because you build coordination by doing things methodically and consistently. So we do that and then we do it on the other side and we practice that one and we troubleshoot and we correct and we make changes in our position to try to make it work better. And we do that consistently until the horse goes, oh, I get it. Now we're doing right-hand turns. And I'll bet you anything when I come in this next time, she's going to turn right. And we do that until we make some progress and we get those turns going good enough, going well. So then when I'll ask my students, I'll say, okay, you know, who here feels like they have each turn kind of equally. Maybe it doesn't feel equal, but you can get it to happen equally. You can you can get it to function. You can get your horse to negotiate the turn in the same number of steps and not um, step out over any of the poles. So I take the ones that feel like, yeah, I can do this. Like we got a turn right and we've got a turn left. And then I have them come in and I tell them to watch me. And I'm going to... Um, tell them which way to turn. And I'm going to tell them kind of at the last minute. So I have them come in and I watch and then I point my finger and that tells them which way to go. So that really heightens because the rider doesn't know which way and the horse doesn't know which way. So the rider's watching me, kind of ready and waiting, which way am I going to go? And the horse is hopefully listening to the person because after a few turns, we realize that now it's now I'm introducing variety. If we turned once to the left, doesn't mean we're going to turn left the next time. And so how do I decide which way I'm going to have them turn? And my secret is when they're coming in, whichever way I see them anticipating, right? So sometimes I can see the horse drift in one way, or I can see the rider thinking, maybe it's going to be to the left, or maybe their core crookedness naturally gives them a propensity to turning left, whichever way I think that they're set up to turn, I ask them to turn the opposite way. So now I'm really introducing variety. It's almost like a trick. You could think, oh, that's mean. You're asking them to do the hard thing. But remember, this is in the context of we took our time to build the skill in each direction. They raised their hand and said, yep, I can do it in both directions. I've taken the time to be consistent using almost an assumption that consistency. So the horse builds that, that skill and they mentally are ready. Now we're using variety. And what I like about this exercise is it creates in the student, the same mental state that I want in the horse, right? Cause I want the horse coming in, going which way I'm going to go. I don't know. I better keep myself in the middle. Think of a tennis player getting ready to return a serve right? They don't just hang out on, you know, leaning on one leg. (laughs) What are they doing? They've got their legs wide, they're down low, and they're kind of rocking back and forth or bouncing back and forth from leg to leg, ready to run to the right or the left. That's what we're looking for. That's a result of the artful use of variety of something that you've trained consistently to build the skill of and to get the ambidextrousness. So as they come in, I'm watching. And if I get a hint, they're going to go left. I'm going to tell them go right. And it's such a powerful exercise. So I do the same thing with my horses. I put myself through the same exercise I practice one direction consistently until the horse is assuming a little bit. They're anticipating and assuming. I want the horse to help me out. Yeah. Help me out horse. (laughs) You know, you're going to turn left. I want the horse to go. I know we're turning left. And I do that on the other side. And then, and this is not necessarily in one session, this might be over a week, you know, several sessions when I have a, a theme of we're going to get this team a's thing done. And then as I ride in, I try to sit in the middle as much as I can, but if I feel a hint of my horse um, assuming then I'll start doing the opposite. And the the result of what I want is I want the horse to come in, be ready and be asking me like, which way is she going to go? Which way is she going to (laughs) go? And then I'll be like, yes, thank you for asking. And when you get in that state, at first I'll rest. I'll quit the exercise at that state because that's what I wanted. I wanted to achieve that state. Then later, if I'm able to easily achieve that state, during sessions, now I can play with being in that state and practice that exercise for longer and longer. And then I'm really building their agility and their coordination and their strength and their stamina and things like that. Just like a tennis player, I'm going to practice doing serves over the right, over to the left, over the left, over the, the right, and build those muscles. But with horses, we have to preserve that mental emotional state. And when I feel them come in and kind of do a little you'll feel it when you try this exercise. Think of that tennis player ready to return the serve. If you're trotting into that team maze, and you'll feel your horse kind of do this little right or left, right or left, right or left, and they kind of check in, oh, big reward for that because they're asking you, which one do I do? So I'm going to give you one more exercise just as another example of playing with this sort of thing. And this is where um, I'll do it with transitions. And again, I'll explain it as if I'm teaching a student through this. And then of course you can do it on your own. And I do it with my horses on my own, but let's say, uh, we're going to be at a trot on a circle and I want to uh, achieve a better state of readiness at the trot uh, and better transitions. So I might, you know, how do I know a trot is good? Well, it, has a lot of adjectives that I like and it functions well, right? It's called working gates because stuff works. And what do we do? Well, we can test transitions. How well do my transitions work? So in other words, that's a nice trot. Great. Is it a nice trot to go forever? Is it also a nice trot to be able to do a good walk transition from? And is it also a nice trot to be able to do a canter transition from? Sometimes when we're training, those are three different trots. We have the trot that we could sustain forever we have the trot that we could get a good walk transition from, and then we have a different trot that we can get good canter transitions from. But ultimately, the best trot is the trot that we feel at the same moment, able to sustain forever, while able to instantly do an excellent walk transition and instantly ready to do an excellent canter transition. All It's all the same trot. So here's a way to use consistency and variety to develop that state of readiness. So you're on the circle and you can do this at a marker or just by feel. So either way, but you spend your time, you get the trot that you like, you spend your time trying to find that sweet spot and like, okay, there's my trot. I got it. Got it. Got it. Then you start thinking to yourself, do I feel ready to walk? And you ask yourself that first and then you attempt it. Yeah. I feel ready to walk. Okay, good. Let's try it. And we do the walk transition and we play to get the good walk that we want. And when we're ready, then we go back to the trot and we review, how did that go? Were we really ready? What did we have to do? Well, what are we going to do differently next time? So we consistently do trot to walk transitions until we can be, until the horse can be pretty sure We're going to be doing a walk transition from the trot. That's what we're doing. And you can be um, also consistent in your ability to predict. I think I feel ready for a walk. Let's ask. Yep, I was ready. So this is to develop your feel. Also, we're going to do it consistently. You and the horse can assume we're going to be doing trot walk transitions. Let's use that anticipation onto the edge of assumption for a moment So the horse is helping you. They're not going off and bombing around at the trot because they know they're about to do a walk transition. And creating that consistency and that almost assumption can actually help you. Because, like I said, some horses will just take off at the trot. And it's like, wait, I've been working on walk transitions. (laughs) Have you not figured this out? (laughs) And you'll feel a horse change and they're going to trot instead of doing this big bounding trot, they're going to be trotting knowing that probably in a few strides, they're going to go back to the walk and that's the gold. That's when that assumption can actually help you because you feel them adjust how they step into the trot because they know what they're going to do in, in half a circle. So we do that for a while until we really are sure. Yep. I got the feeling of my walk to trot transition. And we rest for a minute and we think about that and we thank our horse well and then we trot again and then i'll ask the student do you feel ready to canter and for the next block of time we practice guessing whether we feel ready to canter giving it a try seeing what happens making adjustments until we can you know with with consistency where the horse can start to anticipate we're probably going to be cantering almost to the assumption hopefully in a way that helps. The horse is trying to help canter and you're just saying when, right? So we do it consistently. So both of you get to practice that until you can really predict. Yep. I feel ready to canter. You ask and you go, boom, there it is. And then we stop and we take a little pause and we think about it and we thank our horse. So now you have a trot that feels ready to walk and you know, and you know what that feels like. And you know what it feels like to have a trot that's ready to canter and you can create that. So now we do the, the fun, but <laughs> it's fun for me. <laughs> so now I ask the student to go to the trot and I'll say, tell me when you love the trot. And then I'll say, do you feel ready to walk? And do you feel ready to canter? And I'll give them a minute. And often there's some adjustments. And then I'll say, do you feel ready to walk or ready to canter? And and at some point they'll say, yeah. And then I'll say, which do you feel more ready for, the walk or the canter? And whichever one they say, I ask them to do the opposite. So it'll sound like this. Do you feel ready to walk? Yes. Do you feel ready to canter? Yes. Which do you feel more ready for? I feel more ready to canter. I'll go walk. And they have to make an adjustment, right? So it again, it feels a little bit like a trick. But remember where it came from. It came from proving to ourselves that we had the walk transition. We had the canter transition. Now we're going to go out of assumption and consistency and we're going to introduce variety that creates engagement, mental engagement and physical engagement. And we want to achieve a state of anticipation, but not assumption, and so the rider has to play with this too. How do we, how do we get to the edge without feeling like you just put the quarter in? Oh, I know they do this, and then I know within half a circle I'm going to be cantering. How do we get right up to the edge? You you got the you got the quarter hovering <laughs> in the machine slot, but it doesn't know which slot it's going in. It knows it's going to be one of those two, and hopefully the horse is getting this trot, and you're riding this trot where you've captured the ready part, the part that where they feel ready, and then you could do either one. And the best way to practice that is by doing the one that you don't feel ready for. And this is where it's much easier to do when you have somebody else doing this because it's so easy for us to cheat ourselves and keep doing what we feel ready for. But that's again, how the dialogue goes. Tell me when you feel ready which do you feel more ready for? I feel a little more ready to walk, canter. <laughs> and by going through that practice, you will end up really finding a moment where you feel ready to canter. You're like, oh, I better also get ready for the walk. Oh, I better also get ready for the canter. Now I'm really ready. Yes, that's the golden moment. And if it was hard to get to that state of anticipation, then you reward that well. When you get ready at the trot and you can feel your horse again, that tennis player returning the serve, you feel them kind of shift almost like, am I shifting forward? Am I shifting back? Which one, which, and you feel your horse get ready for each and make a quick little adjustment. Like they're asking questions. Yes. Reward that state of mind. And really it's a state of body. That's a half halt. That's the best half fault. You turn the corner onto the diagonal and your horse is like, what is it? Extension? Tempes? What's it going to be? Half pass? Yes, thank you for asking. And so how do we create that state of anticipation by going through the corner, coming out the diagonal and doing a half pass, knowing what that feels like, coming out of the corner, doing an extension, knowing what that feels like, coming out of the corner, doing tempes, knowing what that feels like. And then coming out of the corner, Asking yourself, which one is my horse throwing himself into? And then do the other one. So he readjusts. If he's not confident, you do it consistently to almost build the assumption. Let that assumption help him learn it. Then introduce variety. You guys with me? (laughs) All right. So the keys to achieving this anticipatory state. I love that word, anticipatory super fun to say, almost as fun to say as salsa, <laughs> but I digress. Where was I? Oh yeah. Keys to achieving this anticipatory state are to give a preparatory signal, a thought and a posture in yourself that says, ready, or we're going to. And this is so important because if you only ever go la, 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 canter, oops, should have gone. there is is like, that's come that comes out of left field. But if you get in the habit of having your sustain mode, your active neutral, that's sustaining, and then knowing, okay, up there, I'm going to do something. So there's a moment where you come out of active neutral and it's kind of a suspension moment. You, you sit up and you go, we're going to, and when you do the, we're going to, or ready, the horse should be going ready for what? <laughs> Thank you for asking. Exactly. That's what you're trying to do. But if you don't have that get ready signal like that we're going to, you have to think of it first. We're, it's going to be canter. Are you ready? It's going to be canter now. So make sure you practice to have that moment in between. We're, we're going to continue forever and we're actually doing the next thing. That's the half halt. That's the mental half halt. That's the, Hey, something's about to happen. The phone's ringing, get ready to pick up. Instructions are going to follow. So another key is to be consistent in one move until the horse really gets it mentally and physically. And you know, because he can do it easily with a light suggestion. You put the quarter in, he completes your sentence. So, after you have your horse anticipating one movement, almost to the edge of assumption, if that helps you, if it's helpful, then you want to thank him and then consistently shift and do whatever the opposite is, whatever the other move is, until he anticipates and maybe almost assumes that one. And so, when you have two or more responses in that anticipation, that's when you want to start varying them and you want to vary which one you ask for after that preparatory command that get ready moment get ready it's you know get ready it's left get ready it's left gets ready it's left no now we start going get ready it's gonna be left or right look for the feeling of the question and change it so that's again that's the mental half halt. so your target is a horse that when you prepare him, asks you the question, what are we preparing for? Thank you for asking. Now, if we keep varying things all the time, he can become really mentally sharp and aware. However, we risk him becoming insecure about what is going to happen next. He can become anxious. He can feel tricked. And if we always do things the same, he be- he can become a st- steady and reliable, but we risk he's assuming and he can become zoned out and unresponsive and unwilling to change. So we need to continually check yourselves. We need to continually check. Our... <laughs> okay. I, I riffed on that sentence. Let me start that again. Continually check yourself and your horse. Are there patterns that you've taught your horse to assume? And if so, are one are they ones that you want? <laughs> And are there times that your horse is really inconsistent in his responses and he becomes anxious? So asking these questions will help make sure that you're creating the kind of responses you want, and it'll help you check whether you're using variety and consistency in a way that's achieving results that you want. In order to help your horse feel more confident and bold about responding, you can use physical targets a cone, a tree, a barrel, or anything that your horse can see as an ending place. So for example, instead of saying, don't wander, you can say, go to the tree. And you can do these transitions with clear markers. So the examples that I gave you with the team A's that has clear visual markers and the transition exercise you could do with or without markers. Um, if If your horse is having trouble really getting the point or you're having trouble focusing, I would put markers down. And every time you pass the marker, that's when the transition happens. In general, if you want more confidence and your horse to be more bold about responding, you can figure out some more motivating pressure. And this doesn't always have to mean a stronger aid. It can be accomplished by repeating the exercise more frequently or with a greater intention. If it's going to take 10 repetitions for your horse to change, maybe you can do all 10 within the distance of one long side, instead of spread out over the next hour. You can find a different way of supporting your suggestion that your horse naturally understands better. Maybe you're using a stronger squeeze to try to get more energy, but a a light tap with a stick would make more sense to your horse or vice versa. And make your releases more released. So when we're using negative reinforcement or when we're using pressure, you know, a leg aid or something like that, and you use release, think of how you can be more released. A release can be an exhale. It can be giving your hands forward off the contact first ride. It can be stretching him. It could be going straight after a challenging lateral work exercise. It can be walking on a long rein. It can be stopping and dwelling. It can be jumping off your horse. It can be jumping off your horse, taking off the tack and walking away. You have so many choices of ways to leave your horse thinking, wow, that was, that was worth the effort. (laughs) And of course we can always add positive reinforcement on top of that. You know, dressage has a potential to be complicated and purposeless and confusing to the horse. And I think we need to do all we can to make sure the simple conversations that make up the big conversations are working very, very well. And we can use consistency and variety and anticipation and even a little assumption to help us with this. So I hope that helps. I hope that gave you some good examples and get you thinking and reflecting a little bit on what kind of patterns you do and create. And are they working for you? Sometimes they are or where we meet maybe need to introduce a little bit more variety. So I hope you'll let me know. Dressage naturally, uh, naturally Land Facebook group is open to everybody. It's a great place to come in and have a conversation about this or any of the podcasts. All right, bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse. Move in harmony and enjoy the process.